This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shay Norman and Tyler. Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, recapping everything we saw in week eight of the college football season. Holy shit. I mean, we're really going through it right now. We are well past the halfway point of the college football season. Where did the time go? I don't know what it is, but it feels like this is like one of the fastest college football seasons that we've been through already. I can't believe we're already in the third week of October. And we're November's com- knocking. We're coming up we're on the gauntlet Christmas November's. Christmas commercials already. Like, I, have you seen that? This is brutal. What was it, Walmart? I saw a, a, a holiday shopping commercial. Where does the season go, man? It, now, like, it just I'll say it's a little premature on Walmart's behalf there because of the fact that, well, it's not even Halloween yet. Like, yeah. People can still get their Halloween costumes at Walmart, but that was a, a two-by-four to the head right there. This whole, th- like, just thinking about the fact that we're getting into week nine of what is a 14-week regular season, basically. It, fuck me, man. Like, and now, Tyler, I have to tell you, Saturday I had... Probably the maybe the best college football Saturday I've had in my life. Did you? And okay, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone that came out to Fatties and DeKalb with us. Excellent. That is a the what primer an establishment for the best college football Saturday of your day. I of your your year so far. I felt like I couldn't lose a bet. I went fifteen and seven, and that counts the bullshit parlay that Cantu fucked us on with his little Oklahoma minus seventeen. By the way, Cantu's working with us on on Saturday. Some are saying it should be a, a stoning in the town square. Yeah, no, I'm gonna beat his. I'm gonna beat him to death on the air. Is what I'm gonna do. That motherfucker. I have to tell you, we were driving up to Fatty's in DeKalb. Long drive. A lot of time to yeah. think. A lot of time to talk about what we were gonna do on the show. And on the way up, I had a thought. We've got Cantu on site with us. This fucking guy is going to pick Oklahoma today. And I didn't want to body bag him like I did to Jack McGrath, the poor kid, when he picked Georgia. And I vetoed, or Kentucky against Georgia, and I vetoed because I thought that was a losing pick. I was right. I lost my own pick, so it didn't matter. Um, But on the way up, I'm like, I I might veto Cantu if... He picks Oklahoma because UCF was getting their quarterback back. John Reese Plum is it John Reese Plumley? Is that the kid's name? Couldn't tell you. They were getting their quarterback back. They go out, have a great game out of him. Passed for like three hundred yards. It's a down to the wire, two point conversion kind of game. Oklahoma just survives at home against Gus Malzahn and UCF. And I'm thinking I'm going to veto him if he picks OU. And then he picks OU, and I don't do it because I don't want to be an asshole to Cantu while he's out in fucking DeKalb with us. Poor guy had to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I think earlier. I'm like, I don't know. On the heels of a Rangers loss, if I remember. Yeah. yeah. He was in a brutal way. Oh, it was an Altuve game, too. He was in a brutal way that morning. I'm like, I don't want to treat this guy like shit on the air. Body bag his program. He's a big Oklahoma fan. I'll let him have the pick. And the fucking pick lost. And if that had won, oh, my day would have been unbelievable. But I got, on my own picks, 15 and 6, I felt like God. Walking and on water. Now I'm at a point where we're heading into week 9, and I'm like, I don't want this season to go away because I'm really fucking seeing it now. Mm-hmm. And it's here we go. It's being whizzed away. You're in the hot street. You're catching a, a like a baseball hitter, and that gets heating up on like the, the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, and you're heating up in September. Yep. What good is it? This well, it might be. It can be good if I do really well. This is you know. Here's what you got to do. All right, because we got two weeks. Then you funnel that into college basketball. There we go. Then I become right a big the CBB guy. Yeah. We got to get to go, talking about that soon too. No, I it just. I don't want the season to go. I feel like I'm really starting to see things, how they're playing out. We got a lot of data points. We know what most teams are at this point. Sometimes you get the into the feel mode, right? Like you just look at the board yeah. and it's just like point. I had, point. I had that the other day. Like You're seeing the ball. Yesterday morning, I opened up the app and I start looking. I go, oh, UCLA minus 17, Colorado. Am I going back to the well? And I am. I'm going back to UCLA. Like there are just, I'm at a spot where I see them and I'm like, that's the one. And I'm hoping that the the heater keeps it keeps going here in college football. I'm liking right, well, it. Best of luck to you the rest of the way. Thanks, here. man. It was a great Saturday. How'd it, you do? It was uh, my Saturday was solid. It was about 500. I'm trying to remember, but it was about 500 on the day. Not as good as you. Not, not seen the ball as well as you. Yeah, like 
When I was there, you're moving money around. You're doing you're, okay. Yeah, you're you're just. You're uh, it's okay. like it's like. Have you seen the the video of the the people throwing the water bottles across the lunch table? You know what I'm talking about? They just throw the water bottles across, yeah. and then there was the caption like, "This is just sending Venmo money to different people and then getting it back in succession." Like that's what I was doing on Saturday. Uh, I will also say Michigan saved my fucking skin. I had Michigan lay in the 25 in East Lansing. I just felt like blowout city was coming. And I also had over 47. And oh. how about how about Jim Harbaugh from the clouds? Seven seconds left. Putting orgy in with seven seconds to go. And let's run the ball and try to score. Could have easily knelt it away. But that guy wanted salt in my fucking wound. And you know what? Karma's a bitch, motherfucker. Jim Harbaugh is getting impugned, and I'm loving it. All right. Before Tyler, in a few minutes, I got a cup of coffee. I have some numbers. Mm -hmm. I have some takes. We're going through the fucking looking glass. We've got InfoWars with Shane Orland today. It's conspiracy time. (laughs) I'm going down the rabbit hole. All right. Well, before we do that, by the way, we do have to mention that this podcast is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Appreciate all the fine folks over at Twin Peaks. All right. Let's get into Michigan here, all right? Any last thoughts that you want to get to before we we dive into this? Because this is really, I mean, there's so many tentacles off of this story. You can talk NFL search for Harbaugh. You can talk Heisman. You can talk playoff. Wherever you want to go with this. You can talk NFL draft even through it, too. Wherever you want to go off of this story, you can. Because there's so many different angles here. But let's start with just the, the facts here, all right? Connor Stallions is an assistant on the Michigan staff. He's not one of those guys that you see listed on the website, but he's part of the Michigan staff. And he has been accused of basically spearheading a sign-stealing brigade that has now gotten Michigan in hot water. He has purchased tickets. I love this too, this part of the story. He is the everyman. He is purchasing tickets on SeatGeek, StubHub, what have you, Vivid Seats, whatever, and trying to go out and, and just buy the tickets, disperse them to people, that are a part of this little network of, of minions that he has working for him in Michigan football, and they're logging signs. They've got their cameras out on their phones, and they're logging signs. And to me, it's fascinating. Because, like, do you think he's the guy who, all right, we're going to get these things way out in advance, we're going to pre-buy them, or is he, like, waiting at the gates and be like, all right, let's find the best price here so we can send a, a lower expense report to Michigan football for these. All right, uh, conspiracy theory one. I think he's a price watcher. I think he's a, I, I think he's shopping the apps for the best possible mm-hmm. deal. Did you see the uh, – he has a public Venmo, which is hysterical. Oh, no. Hysterical Dude, in and of anyone itself. Anyone who's ever gambled before knows – I mean, basically anyone I know now just knows – your Venmo should never be public. Venmo is a social media network. Yeah. So I saw screenshots from his Venmo. He's paying like a hundred different people for T-shirts and receiving payments for T-shirts. And then there's uh, one, and I think the kid's name's Chris Evans. It's something like that. It's probably not Chris Evans. He's a fucking Avenger. <laughs> it's it's something similar to that. This kid was a recruiting intern for the Michigan football team. And on December 30th, 2022, he got a Venmo request or a Venmo charge, whichever way it was, from Connor Stallions. All it said was GA. On December 31st, 2022, Georgia played Ohio State in the college football playoff. And Michigan played TCU, a game they were a two-touchdown favorite in and heavily expected to win. And then you have... Connor Stallions now wrapped up in this scandal. Venmo requesting a recruiting intern with the reason GA. What do we think that stands for? General admission or Georgia? Georgia. <laughs> it stands for fucking it Georgia. It could do either. It could this, be either. But listen, that's conspiracy theory number one. All right. So, no, I think he's a price watcher. I think he's on the uh, the old game time app, mm-hmm. shopping for the cheapest possible tickets to these games. All right. So, I guess to further dive into this story here now, Jim Harbaugh is denying all any knowing of this invest of of what's going on in his program, and it's just kind of it's getting interesting now because what's going to happen with Michigan? I think let's start with this. This is the last year for Harbaugh at Michigan. I don't think there's any way he is the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines next year. I'm down from like thirty percent. He returns to Michigan to like one percent. I I can't imagine like all of this. 
Whether you think something happens this year or not, I personally don't. The NCAA is going to drag their feet. They yeah. always do. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it was uh, Mandel or Feldman, one of the two of them, wrote a piece Mandel. about the Big Ten could potentially make a decision, and the Big Ten can do that rather quickly. Like, if Ohio State and Penn State really lean on the conference, this is bullshit. You're warning us they have our plays. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to go to Indy. This isn't me saying it. This is, like, well-known, respected college football writers saying the Big Ten could feasibly say, you can't go to the conference title game. I don't know that that's going to happen. I'd be surprised, but it could happen. I think it's something that's interesting, too, because... The Big Ten can act, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the college football playoff committee has to act. Like, there's a really interesting world out there where there's an undefeated Michigan that's not a conference champion. Yep. And how does that play into what you're doing as a member of the committee? And what does the does the committee choose to go, hey, the cheating thing, we just can't put them in? Because there's talk that that could happen. There's talk even if the Big Ten allows them to play an indie and they win the conference, could the committee go, well, there's a whole cheating scandal, we're not going to put you in the playoff. There's so many interesting things that could happen. And a big part of it, I've been battling with Michigan fan all week, is... People who think that there's just nothing to this. A week ago when we first talked about this, I called it a nothing burger. I th- I'm like, look, mm-hmm. it's you pissed it off felt, the NCAA. It felt more like they were targeting Harbaugh. Yeah. It, Which that, I still think of can course, be true. They are. Yes. But at first it was like you pissed off the NCAA. You lied to them about the level two violations. That became a level one violation because you lied to them. They were so mad about you lying to them that in their statement about uh, the four-game suspension, they said wasn't enough. In their statement about that, quote, this is not about a cheeseburger, Mm -hmm. which became Michigan's big refrain throughout the entire thing. The NCAA cited that. And wanted to punish Harbaugh more. And you came back with three games. You came back with the self-imposed. Well, now they're really fucking mad. And so I do think there's a little bit of a bloodlust. You invited this. And now this has all come out where it's gone from nothing burger to, wait a minute, this Stallions guy bought tickets to 30 fucking games at 11 Big Ten stadiums. And opposing Big Ten teams were so aware of it that they've got video evidence of the guys in those seats taping opposing sidelines. Oh, and how about he had two tickets for Penn State, Ohio State last weekend on opposite sides of the stadiums, and they didn't get used. Like, Kind of all starting to add up towards, oh, this might be something. And then how about uh, this Buckeye reporter posting photos on Twitter of last year's Michigan-Ohio State game when Michigan's got the football, where's Connor Stallion? Up Sharon Moore's ass, standing right next to the then co-offensive coordinator while Michigan's on the field. What about when Ohio State gets on the field? Oh, here we go. I'll go stand right next to the defensive coordinator for Michigan. And there's speculation. Now, again, I'm not saying any of it's true, but this is what happens. We go through the looking glass now and question everything. Because there's also the photo of the laminated call sheet that has photos of guys doing signals on it. Mm -hmm. Wonder what you're using that for now. Again, I don't know. Maybe it's the referees. But you've opened the door to us asking questions. Hey, how about the fact that you were 32-38-1 against the number from 2015 to 2020? And then you bring on Connor Stallions and his network of cronies, and you're 22-11-1 and 17-5-1 in conference play. You know what that really has me worried about? Our national security. This guy was a former like military person. And now he can't, he's getting busted in college football scandal? Like, well, the- what, what are we doing? Kind of points to, like, this is the part I almost respect. You hire a guy who was a military analyst and specialized in breaking codes. He's talked about it on his LinkedIn page. He specialized in code breaking. And you bring him in, and now this guy's connected to your sign-stealing operation, which is essentially code breaking. It's so brazen that I actually respect it. I think it's a great move. Good move by no, Jim I, Harbaugh. Yes, I, I win at all costs. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, I'm not anti-cheating, but understand when the door gets knocked on, 
it's going to get kicked the fuck in. You pissed off the NCAA. Now they've got you over a barrel on the cheating, and the door is going to get kicked in. Like, Tyler, great example. Michigan, Michigan State 2021, one of Mel Tucker's only good moments as the head coach of the Spartans. Halftime of the game, Michigan's got a fucking chokehold. I mean, it's starting to feel like things could really get out of hand. Michigan State's down 16. All of the sudden, Michigan State breaks out this no-huddle offense. And all of the sudden, Michigan can't stop them. Oh, weird. What changed? Mm. They started running an offense they've never run before? Like, you're telling me from 2015 to 2020, I've got Harbaugh 0-9 against ranked teams on the road, and then all of the sudden he's everybody's daddy? Like, all, oh, Ohio State owns you. And not just like they're winning games. Sure, the JT Barrett measurement game, fine. But they're not just winning games. They're the, blowing you out of the I stadium. Mean, we're talking like 62 to 14. We're talking the first year with Ryan Day, Ohio State hung a 50-burger on you. And all of the sudden, the table and the script flip completely. It's not like you started recruiting better. They've been 10 to 15 in recruiting rankings every year that Harbaugh's been there. That didn't change. They're not taking transfers, so it's certainly not that. Like, the talent is what it's always been. Did the talent get way worse at Ohio State? Or did you hire a military analyst that was up your OC's ass and you just knew what defensive play calls were coming? Maybe that's it now. Like, that's what happens. The conspiracies are open. And I'm Alex Jones. I'm diving in. Dude, when you see numbers like 32, 38, and 1 over a six-year sample against the spread, and then randomly you're you're beating the spread at an 80% rate, something's up. Yeah. Something's up. Here's where I stand with, with Harbaugh on the, the playoff. And, and even the Big Ten champ, like, they should be banned. They, they should be banned if this investigation holds up. Because if you are stealing, stealing, like, again, I've got no problem with sign stealing, but it's the same way I felt about the Astros. When you invoke technology into the conversation, yeah. when you are going outside of means, when you are breaking rules, like the advanced scouting, even without the phones, when you are breaking rules in order to get an advantage, yes, you're banned. Done. See ya. Michigan if this holds up, has no business being in the playoff, has no business being in the Big Ten championship, and all these wins from the last three years should be voided. Not that I care all that much about voiding wins. Yeah, I don't care. They happened, but they should be voided. I, I just I cannot get behind allowing this team into the playoff if this is true. Uh, and I'm not to say that they wouldn't still be 6-0 and or 7-0 and or whatever they are right now. Uh, they probably would because they're just that much better than the yeah. teams that they've played so far. But I still think that you you fucked it for yourself. Well, that my whole thing this entire time has been the why of it. Like people keep saying, "What's the problem? You can watch film and grab signs. You can steal signs uh, when you're in games. You can, you know, talk to a coach who's played a team, and they can tell you what they see and what they like to see, do. You can do all of that." Why is this a problem? Well, because this is literally against the rules. Mm -hmm. Like, once you cross that Rubicon, conversation's over. That's it. You have a network of guys who are being forwarded tickets from somebody you have on payroll, has a fucking computer that was given to him by the University of Michigan. He's forwarding tickets to people who opposing Big Ten teams say are sitting in his seats and taping the sideline for the entire game. You have broken a rule. Whether you think that it's unfair or that the rule is stupid or not, you broke it. Doesn't matter. You committed a football crime. That's the way I'm going to phrase this. Football crime. You committed a football crime. And this is a felony. This is a felonious football crime. Dude, this is a bad one. Because, like, and I, I don't know that it changed the results of games. I do think it's fascinating that Michigan got markedly better. It probably changes the results of some of the big ones. Like... I mean, for example, the Ohio State game. Are you undefeated the last couple of years against Ohio State without this? Like, Maybe, just, maybe not. Just go back and look, man. It's funky how every single time Jim Knowles blitzed, Michigan was ready and went over the top. It's funny how every time they sat back in man coverage, Michigan was ready and ran the football. Like, it's just, it all kind of adds up to something's going on. Like, how about this? This is down the rabbit hole a bit. 
J.J. McCarthy against Bowling Green this year. How about Michigan the first three games of the year? 0-3 against the spread. Couldn't cover against the fucking nobodies. UNLV, East Carolina, Bowling Green. J.J. McCarthy against the worst team in the MAC through three interceptions. He was terrible. Fast forward to conference play. He's the most efficient passer on earth. Boy, did that and happen. Heisman favorite right yeah. now. Did that happen because he knows the fucking defense? Like, it certainly could have. I'm not telling you that it did, but we now have this scandal out there. You have the Big Ten. They're not doing this, by the way, just like because there's suspicion. They're doing it because they're pretty fucking sure. You have the Big Ten reaching out to all of Michigan's future opponents, saying it's extremely likely they know your calls. Yeah, and we had coaches in in in-game interviews even allude to it as well. I mean, we heard it with Greg Schiano and Rutgers earlier this yeah. season. It's... It was the if sound now now that we know about it, like it sounds like it was the worst kept secret within Big Ten coaches. And then you've got uh, U.S. Integrity reaching out to sports books and giving them alerts on Michigan games because yeah. you can't post good spreads. You don't. How could you post an accurate number if they might know every play the opposing team's going to run, or at least the concepts? Oh no wonder they haven't given up more than one scoring drive all season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you script that first drive, right? Often it's been the first drive. Rutgers opened up. Bang. 7 nothing. Yep. Minnesota, I think, scored on their initial drive. Indiana scored on their first drive. Oh, how about what happens after that opening scripted drive where you don't really need to be going to the sideline or getting signals? Oh, now you're going to, like, lay into these teams? I, again, I'm not saying that's why. Michigan is the better football team. They're extremely talented. But... The conspiracy theorists can now do it, and I'm joining them. That's my point. Like, oh, sorry, I have a hard time believing your defense is that good now that I know, oh, it's more likely than not you knew the offenses that were coming at you. No wonder the scripted opening drive is the only time teams can score on you. Because the, that's the thing about defense, too, is that the offense is always at an inherent advantage because they know what they're de- doing, and the defense has their backpedaling. That's what defense is. It's a lot of backpedaling. Defense reacts second. Exactly. And, and for them to be this dominant, but when a defense knows what you're doing, then who has the advantage? The defense has the advantage because they're the ones, the offense now has to react and get into a backpedaling mode to a degree. And, and when you see a defense this good without as many of the quote-unquote marquee names like, there's still good players on Michigan's defense. I'm not taking away that, but, like, it's not like what we— they're not going to do what Georgia's been doing the last couple of years where they're cycling in and out 11 NFL players. Yeah, and again, the, the other interesting thing with it, too, like, you bring up Georgia. Boy, it's funny how Michigan just is an absolute juggernaut in conference play, but then you get to a playoff game and Georgia turns you into a clown car. Real funny how you ran into Max Duggan last year and dug yourself a fucking grave— well, even think about it from this angle, too. There was no guarantee TCU was getting into the playoff. How deep was the advanced scouting on a TCU? And there That's was, my point. This was part of the report, too, from ESPN, is that there was some advanced scouting for playoff opponents as well, but you can't do that as well when there's multiple. You can't predict them. Yeah, right, exactly. And for all we know, the bringing up the playoff opponents, maybe that was just them scouting Georgia in the semifinal last year. Like it just it could have been that you have the and uh, connecting dots that maybe shouldn't be connected, but the public Venmo to a Michigan recruiting intern the day before Georgia plays with the reasoning GA, like yeah, I'm going to connect that dot, and that could be the you could not have anticipated TCU. They lost their conference title game. You could not have anticipated them all season. They weren't fucking ranked, mm-hmm. like. You're not going to to Fort Worth and taping TCU sidelines in November when they have no shot of making the playoffs. Weren't they picked last in the the Big Twelve in the preseason poll? Or like yeah, near last. They had a three and a half win win total. Like that's not a team that you're spending a ton of time scouting. And then you see him in the semifinal. Boy, JJ McCarthy. What happened to his efficiency? Two pick sixes. You're down early in a hole. You can't predict the offense. Like, it's just funny, man. It's funny how they look like the best team in America when they're playing teams that they've been scouting for the last three years, but then they get to the bowl game and Georgia punks you. 
Mm-hmm. It just, man, man, must help to know the plays. Yep. It's, there's so many different ways your brain goes off of this now. Because, all right, what happened in that game? What happened in that game? Now, you, you, you look backwards and you also look forwards with everything that happened with Michigan. Because, okay, what's happening with the Heisman? What's happening with Jim Harbaugh? What's happening in the NFL draft with J.J. McCarthy? Boy, that's going to be an interview that he's going to have to do at the Combine with all these teams is how much of this was predicated on your, at least your coaches knew what play calls were on the other side and were dialing you up to put you in the best possible situation. Now, regardless, J.J. has the tools. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to him in the NFL draft. I'm interested in what's going to happen in the Heisman because if you're a Heisman voter, and maybe this is my own bias, I hate Michigan. I, I, J.J. McCarthy, to me, is a fine player. Like, I don't think he's great shakes. Uh, But if I'm a Heisman voter and I'm somebody who, like, there are Michigan players who I've thought would be deserving of that award. I was a kid, but, like, Braylon Edwards, I thought, should have won the Heisman. He was incredible. Yeah. Um, J.J. McCarthy now, I go look back and go, man, the non-conference games, though, he, he was not good. He did not look good at all. And then he really turned it on in conference play. But, hey, there's this cheating scandal out that they were scouting all these Big Ten teams and stealing signals from them in advance. So maybe he just knew the play. Like, if I'm a Heisman voter, I don't know that I can ballot J.J. McCarthy because how much of his productivity is rooted on an advantage that the other guys didn't Mm -hmm. have. Yeah. And, and listen, my logic applies to the Heisman as well. If I don't think Michigan can be playoff eligible or Big Ten championship eligible, if all this holds up, J.J. McCarthy, you can't win the Heisman either. Yeah. You can't because your success is potentially rooted in cheating. And I I can't vote for a guy to be the best player in football when he's got an advantage that no other player was allowed to have. Do you think that he knew it was happening? Like, let's assume this is all, this all comes out as real, which Mm -hmm. when you've got the photos of... Uh, Connor Stallion standing next to Sharon Moore while Michigan's got the ball, and then next to their defensive coordinator's name escapes me, when Ohio State's got the ball. It feels like smoke leads to fire there. Mm-hmm. But it, couldn't it be that like this was a behind-the-scenes deal and the players weren't aware of it? It's just, oh, we always seem to have the right play call for us. Like The coaches court- just always seem well, to be putting us in the right position. L- listen, I don't know if the right guard knows, but I think the quarterback has to know. Okay. Right, like I, I you either go way, the, he's the a roster. beneficiary. Right. It doesn't change exactly. it doesn't the outcome cha- for me. Uh, there are a hundred players on a on a college football roster. I don't think all hundred know, but I do think like middle linebacker probably knows. I think the the quarterback probably knows. I think there there's a collection of people that know. Do Second you think stringers, how many know? Probably not many. But do you think there's a world where Jim Harbaugh really doesn't know? This is the Pat Fitzgerald conversation no, no. all over again, where because if you didn't know, you should have. And I have a very difficult time believing you don't know. He has to know. Otherwise, why are you hiring a military person? And a again, military fanboy. You hired a military analyst who, a fan of the team, brags on LinkedIn about being a co-breaker and then gets connected to this, and he's on the sideline up the ass of the coordinators. Can we all just call it what it is? They cheated their ass off. Mm-hmm. And I respect it. Do whatever it takes to win games. But when you get caught, just know yes. the world comes crashing down. You're gonna, one day you're going to pay the price. Like, I'm a guy who wants Urban Meyer at Michigan State. I've been very public about this. I want Michigan State to hire Urban Meyer. Why? Every stop he's been at, he'll win a national title. I know what's coming on the other end, but I'll take the national title. Like, am I going to have some horrendous road loss and a scandal the couple years after the national title? Yes. But am I going to have a national title? I'll take yeah. that. So if you're a Michigan fan, you can get defensive about this. You can act like it wasn't an advantage. You might be right. But don't don't pretend or live under some illusion that the NCAA is going to let you off scot-free here. If not this year, I assume next year you will have vacated wins. You may get a postseason ban. You may get a transfer ban. You may get a recruiting ban. Things are going to come out of this. This Scholarships will be docked. This is an enormous cheating scandal. Like, just the the important thing for, I think, Michigan fan is they can't wipe your memory. You won the titles. We know you won. mm Mm-hmm. They enjoy the those. Thing, like, the vacated win thing, and I get why they do it for the NCAA's purpose. I get that. I'm fine with them vacating wins. I just know it doesn't mean anything. 
the perfect example is Louisville, right? Like, we know who raised the banner, right? Yeah. We know. We know. Do they have a banner up in that stadium? Didn't they no, put they took one it back down. up? Did they? Uh, they should put one back up. What's put, the, what are they going to do? Write a strongly worded letter to you? That that entire university has very loose morals, so I don't think they care. Uh, all these universities do. Like, I'm not sitting here ignorant like other schools aren't cheating. It's just you got caught. You got caught. You pissed off the big bad, and they're, they want your blood now. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Michigan fan is right. There is a Michigan bloodlust at the NCAA. You caused it, and now they want your head. Mm-hmm. So, it, look, enjoy this season. It might end in a miracle run. It might end in bitter disappointment. Tyler, I will tell you right now, I am going to bet Penn State, and I am going to bet Ohio State. Yes. Because the, I'm under the belief, and the conspiracy theory in me is they stole signs and cheated in those games, and we may see like Michigan win or lose a nail-biter at Penn State and then get fucking trucked. By Ohio State the way they always used to, and nature will be healing. Here's the one counter to that, is that all of these teams in the Big Ten that now have Michigan on their slate, they have to change their entire sign and terminology stuff. There could be a little... Like, I would look for all teams that are playing Michigan. Maybe you see some hiccups these next couple of weeks. Did you notice what Michigan State did? And it doesn't matter when Michigan State does it because they, Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is brain dead. Uh, he's literally like foaming at the mouth trying to develop a thought. You've got Harlan Barnett on fourth down putting the microphone up and praying to God. Like, it doesn't matter what they did. They were going to get destroyed in that game anyway because the players, I mean, you've got kids opting out. You've got kids transferring. There's quitting that team. The head coach got fired week two. It is what it is. Everybody involved in the program from Scotty Hazleton, the defensive coordinator, to Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, to the last kid on the roster whose name I don't ever fucking know, they all probably are just not quality. Michigan was always going to body bag them. What I thought was interesting was Michigan State was going to the sideline to get plays. And... That Like, if Ohio State, you have some time. You might be able to build out a couple new things, some new verbiage, some new signals to hide things. Because you've got, what, four or five weeks till that game? Four weeks? Four weeks. You have time in practice to prepare for that a little bit. Worst case, McCord just gets the call from the sideline. Yeah. Go over, quick meeting with Day or whoever, go back, run the play. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, there are ways around it, and I just think if Michigan no longer has this advantage that they clearly had when they left seats unattended to Penn State, Ohio State, like, Ohio State might just fucking truck them again. I'm praying. I hope. I need it. I mean, Like oxygen, I need it. Penn State might too. I mean, well, Penn State kind of sucked this past weekend offensively, but... That Jim Knowles defense in Ohio State, man, whew, they are good. fucking good. They're good. And they're damn good on third downs, too. Um, any last things you want to get to out of this before uh, we move on to the top ten? No, I'm excited about this next thing because I, I think it relates to Michigan. You want to do, like, which which top ten team in a week where not everybody lost, but everybody felt like they got a little bit of a bullet graze? You know how they talk about moral victories? A lot of moral losses. Yeah, over the that's week, what it well, felt like. Over the last week. I think this is a good segue because Michigan probably took the biggest bullet wound without losing yep. over the week. Like, they, it, everything's just thrown into question. So who in the top ten mm-hmm. avoided damage the most? So, yeah, well, I'll, I'll read through the top ten from last week, not the, the reshuffled top ten. The yeah. top ten from last week, all right? So you had Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3, Florida State 4, Washington 5, Oklahoma 6, Penn State 7, Texas 8, Oregon 9, and North Carolina 10. I think we we can kind of go through a a brief little summary of 10 through 1 and what happened with them this past week. Pretty easy one at number 10. North Carolina, you lost. Yeah, they they died. You had the second worst upset in ACC history occur to you this past weekend. So your season is over. Congratulations. It was a good run. Get ready for the draft, Drake May. The Heisman uh, watch out in North Carolina is over as well. It is. Too many primetime games for Mac Brown. They yeah. were uh, playing with fire there. Yeah. Um, number nine, Oregon. You may have gotten 
pretty good week for Oregon. Go out, blow out Washington State. I know you didn't cover the number, but backdoor it play. It was a garbage-time touchdown. Yeah, yeah like, like, it is what it is. Good, good performance by Oregon, a bounce-back performance. And I think we're also seeing what Washington State is. They're just not very good. That and I will say, like, the first half, Oregon got themselves into a little bit of a game. Ended halftime, I think it was 17-13. Wazoo held a lead for a lot of that first half. Felt like a little hangover. The second half, Oregon was dominant. Mm-hmm. We've seen that a couple times with Oregon. We saw it in the Stanford game, even to a degree. We saw it in the, the Washington game, too. Yeah. Um, but we, we've seen that happen with Oregon. Number, Something about their defense in the second, second half. half. It just yeah. goes up a gear. Mm-hmm. You know what it is? Dan Lanning is a master motivator. If, if there's anything I've learned from this year of college football, Dan uh, Lanning, master motivator, I wonder if it's a little halftime motivation from Lanning. He's awesome. He's great. He's the people's coach. Uh, number eight, we've got Texas Hold on against Houston by a touchdown. But the bigger picture here is the fact that Quinn Ewers is going to miss some time. Yeah. Goes down with an AC joint sprain. For those who may have remembered, too, like this is the same injury Derek Carr had, but this is a grade two AC joint sprain. I believe Carr's was a grade one. That's why he didn't actually miss any games. Uh, He just missed the second half of that Packer game and was back the next week. But if I'm Texas... Losing your quarterback, I get that you're stocked up in that room a little bit because of what you've done recruiting-wise, but this is still a big loss for you, and who knows how much time Quinn you Like, Sark said it's week-to-week with Ewers. This could be a little bit of a, a process here for Quinn Ewers. And they're not going to go to Arch Manning. No. Like, they are 100% preserving a red shirt on Arch Manning. And I just look at their schedule. Like, they have Which you some- know what that says to me? This could be a long injury for Ewers. Yeah. Because you're allowed to play up to four games under the new redshirt rules and still preserve your redshirt year. Can Arch not play four games? They've got like, five games back. They've got five games to like, go. Could could Ewers be done for the rest of the regular season? How good is Arch right now That's as a true. freshman? Like there are questions. They're gonna go with the but other. He's the guy who came in, in in the winter, too. He he was one of those geniuses who graduated yeah. early, right? Like are any of these games losable without yours? BYU? No. Kansas State? Yes. At TCU? No. Uh, Iowa State? No. Texas Tech? Where's the Texas Tech game? Uh, Austin. I'll say no. That, that one could be losable. Te- Texas Tech put a scare into Oregon, but that was Oregon going south. It was early September. Yeah. Um, I don't know that any of them are losable. If they don't have him for the Big 12 title, you can ink Oklahoma in the playoff. Mm -hmm. Another team that had to survive. My big takeaway from Ewers, Quinn Ewers, you are an Oregon Duck. He will go back to school. Kind of has to. He will not play at Texas because Arch Manning's waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. Doesn't Oregon feel like the perfect Bo Nix leaving Auburn and going to Oregon destination? One of two things. He goes there or he could go to Washington, too. It's interesting. Uh, Washington's losing a lot he could at go, the end of this season. Honestly, there's a lot of places Quinn Ewers, like he could go to USC. He could go to USC. Depend, if Lincoln Riley leaves, does he go to USC? Now, yeah, that's a different question. But Oregon just feels like the perfect fit for his play style, for the type of quarterback he is. Mm-hmm. He can run a power offense, but he's also got some speed. I'd like to see him at Oregon. Okay. That's my takeaway. All right. If you can bet it, if you can find it, I don't know what it, the number would be. <laughs> Quinn Ewers, you are an Oregon Duck. Yeah. Um, number seven, Penn State, you lose. It was an ugly game. You kind of were still in it for, I mean, you were never out of the game, but it kind of felt like you were out of the game because you couldn't convert a fucking fourth down or a third down. Is Penn State, uh, is Ohio State's defense that good or is Drew Aller that fucking bad? He looked terrible. And now he was... I think both can be true. He was pressured a lot all game. Which is funny because we brought up the stats, too, on on the show on Saturday. He was the best quarterback under pressure, according to PFF's grades. (sighs) I'd like to know where he's ranked after that one. This looked like a different kind of pressure. This, like, he's getting popped by really good players, and he just kind of looked shell-shocked. He looked like a little deer in the headlights... Towards the end, he led that one drive in uh, garbage time. Mm-hmm. But just, I don't know, man. Like, Penn State's defense is awesome. Yeah. So, 
and they're not dead. They lose Chop Robinson in this game. They're still getting the quarterbacks. What's incredible about this is, and Joel Klatt was talking about it, if Penn State beats Michigan and then Ohio State beats, uh, and then Michigan beats Ohio State, Penn State holds the advantage in the tiebreakers. That's what I find fascinating. Like, Penn State lost this game, mm-hmm. but it's still kind of a, it's a bullet, but it's not like, it's still not a, a path. Not a fatal bullet. It's not the silver bullet. You're alive. You need help from Michigan against Ohio State, but you're alive. Yeah. I wonder, too, getting back to the, the sign signal, the signal changes, I wonder if things were changed up for Drew Aller, for a young quarterback, and even Kyle McCord, too. I wonder if things were changed up a little bit for some young quarterbacks there. That's why we didn't see some great offenses. I know there's great defenses on the other sides. It's interesting. I don't have to take away from that, but maybe a little little bit tough for some of these younger quarterbacks. we got to call the whole conference into question, though. <laughs> Cancel the season. Honestly, yeah, just abort the Big Ten. Enough. <laughs> um, number six, Oklahoma squeaks by UCF. And this is a – listen, you're going to have these kind of games. I get it. But this is a game where you should have really taken care of business. Off a bye week at home against Gus Malzahn, who I don't know how you feel, but I think is a fucking Garbage. moron. He's terrible. You cannot look like that. You can't. Dylan Gabriel almost lit the Heisman home ticket. Home game, too. Yeah, at home, off a bye week against a terrible UCF team with a bad head coach. You cannot look like that. I mean, Tyler, Dylan Gabriel almost lit our Heisman tickets on fire. Mm -hmm. That was awful. And I don't know that it's going to happen again. I certainly hope not. You survive in advance. You already passed the big test beating Texas. You just kind of have to make it to Arlington. Um, But that was, boy, that was was like a bright light shined on Oklahoma there. Mm -hmm. That was not good. Number five, Washington narrowly gets by Arizona State. No, to no thanks to the offense. No offensive touchdowns in this game for, yeah. for Washington. They just had the pick six. Michael Penix did not look good in this game. I think we knew there would be Washington drop-off in this game. Both you and I really liked Arizona State with the yep. nearly four touchdowns worth of points that they were getting. But we didn't expect it to look like this. I, I think I could have seen Washington winning a game by 17 or so. I think that's more where... Both of us were thinking this would land not 15 to 7. Frankly, Washington's lucky they won this game. Mm-hmm. Like that, it was that bad. They're lucky they won this game. Um, Credit to their defense, though. They did I, show up. I'm not going to overreact too hard because I always thought it was a spot. Emotional win off kicker error in the Oregon game. At home, you come back. Arizona State's sleepy, maybe not a great crowd. Not as fired up as they were for Oregon, certainly. A little hangover on the team side. Plus, Penix is clearly hurt. So I'm not going to overreact too much. But again, it I didn't think it would look like that. Yeah. And if Penix is really battling pain to the point, like the interceptions were awful. Yeah. The fumbles were awful. Underthrown balls. Yeah, He's like- wobbling off the field. He's... Grabbing himself, he looks like he's in pain. If he's really hurt, then I'm worried about Washington. Yeah. Otherwise, you get one of these. You get that's your mulligan. You get mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Now you got to take care of business. Four. Florida State survives past Duke. Looked really dicey, especially in the first half. This team couldn't move the ball, and they could not stop uh, a Duke offense led by a banged up Riley Leonard who eventually leaves the game. You do come back. We do find out Norvell is a number knower. Congratulations. We've added another data point. My guy. Mike Norvell knows the number. Uh, do they win this game if Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt? I think they still win, but they definitely don't. Co- this is like, like a, a four-point, yeah, three, four-point game. Yeah, I, I early in the game was rough. Um, the, the Jordan Travis... You know, you get you get the points back when you get the kick return, but the 17-7 early, Travis didn't look the part. Offensively, Florida State was struggling to do anything. Duke's defense is good. They're very good, yeah. But Riley Leonard was having his way with Florida State in that first half. And, it, again, it was another spot where, frankly, Florida State was lucky to have that game as close as it was when they went in the tunnel for halftime. Riley Leonard can't really play much of the second half, and you pull away – but Florida State, man, we've talked about it. They got to wake up. 
at some point, if you want to be taken seriously as a national title contender, you got to wake up. Yeah. It, they just, since the LSU win, it feels like they're just showing up and winning the games, and it took a lot of luck against Clemson. And I, they can't look this sleepy the rest of the way. They got to start bombing people. Syracuse was nice. Mm-hmm. Duke without Riley Leonard was nice. But that was very close to being a loss. And you're at home, one of the best environments in the ACC and all of college football, at night. And letting Duke trounce you was a little scary. Now, the, a lot of people will look at the line and say, oh, Florida State, two-touchdown favorite, and that's how the— Well, they were two-touchdown favorite because everybody assumed Riley Leonard yeah, wouldn't the play. the report on game day that morning was unlikely to play, and then— out of the ashes comes Riley Leonard. If we know Riley Leonard's playing, the line's probably closer to Florida State seven and a half. So, did they do kind of what they were expected to do? I guess, but I still stand by. They got to wake up. Mm-hmm. Ohio State. We we kind of touched on it already, but you beat Penn State. You you pick up a top ten win. Good week for Penn State or for Ohio State. And they boy, had the best week in the top ten. You know who had the best week? Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I mean. That guy is the most talented you mean player coming out. Maserati Marv. There, let's not strength, passion, agility, speed. Maserati. He's the worst. He's horrid. He he knows five players on the the roster, and that's it. There he is, Maserati Marv. Enough, enough. He's gonna ruin it for him. Um, he's ter- Tyler. He's terrible, and I think people are finally starting to come around on it. The guy does no prep. Mm-hmm. He d- doesn't know anybody on the roster except for fucking Colorado and Michigan because Fox Big Noon has been up their ass all year. Mm-hmm. It, and he dress. He knows how to dress it up. I'll give him that. But no, he did, dude. Some of the calls are fun, like the Isaiah Thomas buzzer beater, the mm-hmm. Washington Conference title game. That's a fun call. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good Gus Johnson moments. Yeah. But he has become something I truly hate. And Maserati Marv was every bit of the Gus Johnson that I loathe. Yep. Enough. Did you see the Big Cat meme? You've got Big Cat posting a meme where Gus Johnson's in the corner saying, they don't know I call him Maserati Marv. And the guy at the party dancing is <laughs> yeah. going, I will literally kill myself if he calls him Maserati Marv one more time. It was that bad. Oh, that's great. You and I are driving home, and he and goes, we, Maserati Marv, and both of you us go, almost Maserati no. off the road. Yes. I'm like, dude, I'm, I've got Tyler's life in my hands. I'm going to put us in a fucking ditch. Stop it. For the love of God. What a way to go out. Um, Michigan, I think we've, we've touched on Michigan. They may be the biggest losers out of the top ten. They may be on par with North Carolina. In terms of their season ended. And they won 49 to nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean. Which is the, the great irony of it all. But, yeah, they, and we've touched, we've said our piece on Michigan. And then Georgia. Georgia failed to cover the spread against the bye week. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia the, off. So. Just a quick look ahead on Georgia. Uh, I've seen a lot of Florida. A lot of Florida love this week. I think it's uh, I think it's Georgia Kentucky all over again. Do you really? I think Florida plus fourteen and a half is one of the greatest mouse traps Vegas has ever laid. I I I, I just that's an obvious Florida spot. Georgia hasn't looked right. We're gonna hang it fourteen plus. You get the hook. How attractive is this? And you walk right into a cheese grater. I just man, I, I think you can only ever bet Georgia there. Seven for 132 and a touchdown for Brock Bowers in the Kentucky game, though. You're not going to have that. And you don't have Brock Bowers, but you do have Lad McConkie. But how good is Lad? We're how, good, find out. how good is Ricky Pearsall against Georgia's defense? Yeah. How good's Graham fucking Mertz? <laughs> like <laughs> the resurgent Graham Mertz. I really, I, I think people are walking into a sledgehammer here, taking Florida. That just feels like the biggest mouth trap of all time. I do think though, like these next four weeks are not easy for Georgia. No, and I think they could lose one of them. I just don't. Initially, I was They're, like the Florida game's kind of sneaky, but I don't see it. They do get the benefit of home field in a lot of these. Like their their next three games are all home. I wonder if Ole Miss and Jackson Dart. Can take care of business. That's the that was the most. If that game was at the Grove, I think we're having a very different conversation. But this one, where I, I'm still sort of lukewarm, it is still the defense is still good. 
Like we saw what Alabama did to to Ole Miss earlier this year. Could be a very similar story. But have you seen how good Alabama's defense grades out? Are we witnessing the return of Alabama? Like, I pronounced them dead. They lost to Texas. The Arkansas game happened. It was terrible. Tennessee, holy motherfucker. Josh Heupel, choke a little harder. I mean, what the hell? Up 17 to 7. 20 to 7 at halftime? 20 to 7. You don't score a point in the second half? There was a lot of that this week. A lot of what empty second fuck? halves from teams. Then Joe Milton getting the ball down there. I'm just trying to cover a nine. I've given up on the dream of Alabama's season ending. I'm just trying to cover a number, and this fucking guy can't do it for me. That would have been 16, 17 and five. Would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, but are they, do you, like, they're going to go to the SEC title and win it, aren't they? Alabama's going to make the playoff. Oh, Alabama! You're I'm just—I'm getting the feeling Alabama's going to make the playoff, unless Brian Kelly, for no reason, plays spoiler. I still think LSU can do it. I really do. do. They just have the one conference loss, right? They're still alive in the SEC. Yeah, LSU. Like, yeah, they—they they just have to beat Alabama. They have to beat Alabama. Like they're four and one. If you beat Alabama, then you're in first in the West. Don't slip up, and you're going to yeah. Who else do they have on the schedule? Home against Florida, home against A&M. So you get Graham Mertz on the road. They'll probably make that a night game, so he'll turn into a pumpkin. Uh, A&M, Jimbo Fisher's fucking terrible. I mean, you talk about that a guy with his head up his ass. Too. You t- like, that could be his last game. He's awful. Uh, yeah, I mean, if LSU can just beat Bama. Now, I think both teams are off a bye. That's yes. electric. Mm-hmm. Is, it November, is it in, in Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa? Yeah. November 3rd? 4th. November fourth mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa, both teams off a of bye. That it's good theater. is theater. Yep, it's good theater right there. LSU coming off a sixty-two nothing shutout against Army as well. So I think uh, I, I I still think they can play spoiler because the offense is so damn good. Yeah, and Jaden Daniels is rocketing up the Heisman he's, board. He's three to one right now. That was the other name we gave out when we had the we had the dueling Gabriel. And Jaden Daniels twenty-five to one conversation. I'm still on my Bonix thirty-five to one, mm-hmm. which has moved you've, considerably yep, my way. You've gained over almost seventy percent of value there. And I still have the Dylan Gabriel uh, twelve to one. Yep. Those are the two tickets that I'm holding hope. And my hedge was Jordan Travis. I have the Florida State Natty ticket. I was gonna honestly plus one eighty. I was gonna bet JJ McCarthy, and then he fell to plus two forty. And now I think there's a good chance voters will leave him off the ballot. So I'm just not gonna worry yeah. about it. It's if listen, if I get burnt by that, I live with it. Tip the cap. I, it is it, what it is. It's like if you bet uh, against the Astros in the World Series. Yep. Like it is what it is. I I I couldn't do anything. So, all right. That does it. Anything else? Nope. I got, actually, I got one more thing. Syracuse plays the Thursday game this week. They're going to win. You think so? Wake Forest? uh, Virginia Tech. That's right. Is it in VTech? Yes, it is. That is not the environment it used to be. Enter Sandman has lost a lot of the Mm -hmm. fastball. I think, I think Syracuse wins this one on the road. I'm guessing they're a dog too. Yeah, two and a half points, I think. Two and a half. Definitely take it. I'm in. Interesting. I hate hate this team. I hope they lose, but they're going to win. Virginia Tech blows. (laughs) They're bad. They're really bad. They're really bad. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the recap podcast of Chicago's College Tailgate. We will talk to all of you on Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m., all brought to you by our friends over at Twin Peaks. We'll talk to you Saturday.